And uh, that's not very good, but uh, hey, uh, I, 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 my notes say that we left off at 11.26. Okay. All right. So that means we're starting with 11.27. Uh, uh, true blessedness. Uh, there seems to be a change in Luke's story, his narrative that he's, he's writing here. There seems to be a switch. So he uh, just kind of a hesitation. And we find when Luke is hesitating, there he's either having a squirrel moment or he's been interrupted in his, uh, uh, interrupted in his writing in his travels with Paul or he's busy changing, interviewing uh, other people. Uh, I, I, th I believe this is the transition. Verses 27 and 28 is a transition from uh, interviewing with Matthew. And he's now going to interview or speak with or be with uh, John. You're going to hear a lot of John-type language, John-type narrative in there. Even though he's using uh, the Q source, even though he's using Matthew and some of Mark, uh, he's, uh, he's going to start using John language. And, and you'll hear it right away, uh, at right after, uh, after this blessedness. But uh, the, the, there's, a, there's a change in the narrative. Okay, so if you uh, so if you listen, be keen on the words that get used and kind of the the background uh, of the language, background of the story that's being told. Uh, uh, we we know that he's using Matthew's source uh, here, uh, but but there's a little different twist on things. Uh, it could be that Luke is saying to John, "Hey, do you remember this?" And uh, do, do you remember when uh, uh, Jesus said this or it happened here? And John would say, oh, well, yes, I remember that. And this is also what took place, according to my recollection. And, and that, that recollection, remember, is probably uh, 40 years now uh, after the event, 30 to 40 years after what has taken place. So if you can remember, you know, if you can remember something specifically from 30 years ago, good for you, because I have trouble three weeks ago. So, all right, so why, 1127. While he was saying this, what was he saying? Right, right. Then, you know, the unclean spirit has just been been taken out. He's been questioned whether or not he's uh, uh, from the devil or not, right? His, his works are good or evil, and people are now starting to question him a little bit about uh, what, what, how has he got his power? How is he doing these things, right? So uh, while he was saying this, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you. And Jesus said, 
Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So do you see kind of a little parallel between remember, remember when his brothers and sisters and mom came to visit him? And, they, and, and the disciples said to him, uh, your, mom, your mom, your brothers and sisters are here. Well, who are my brothers and sisters? Y'all are my brothers and sisters. Those that follow the word of God are my brothers and sisters. Same kind of motif going on here. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't disagree with what the woman has just said, uh, but he is, say, he is saying, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now put that back into the uh, context of what we studied a couple weeks ago about the, uh, the evil, uh, uh, evil versus good and where he's getting, his inf- where he's getting it. Uh, uh, he, he's exercised that deaf and mute man. The crowds were amazed, but some charged that it was f- evil, right? Uh, it, it, it's an echo of, of Mary's benediction as well. Remember uh, back in Luke, I think it's Luke 4, uh, where, uh, or no, Luke 2, uh, Mary's benediction, uh, the Magnificat, right? Right? So, uh, uh, so there's kind of a uh, kind of a parallel in there. Luke's got these words and he's going to tie the threads. There's threads that go through the entire text. And these are, these are some of the words that were said uh, in the very beginning, right? Uh, uh, Luke 142, uh, uh, Martha, uh, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Right? Remember when she said that? Uh, and blessed is he is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by her Lord uh, in 145. So 142, 145, and then 148. Uh, uh, remember the Magnificat and, and, and the words going up to the Magnificat. Now, again, Jesus isn't denying what those words, what those reads mean and the blessings on his mother. He does not do that, but he seizes the moment uh, to point that, yes, mom is great, yes, but something else is greater here. Something else is greater going on. You've, You've got something happening in front of you and being taught to you Obey it. It's greater than all this other stuff that you're talking about. It's greater than all the healings. It's greater than all uh, of those those things that you see. uh, It's greater. So obey what you hear because I'm speaking God's word. Hear the word of God and obey it. Always a two-part command with with Jesus. Uh, So if you obey it, what are you going to be? Blessed, right? You're going to be blessed if you hear the word. Uh, this is uh, blessed. Uh, th- that should signify to you or set off a, an alarm for you. Where else do you hear the word blessed? The Beatitudes, right. Right. So uh, it's a continuation of the Beatitudes. Uh, uh, but, but Jesus is using uh, uh, rather are those... Uh, there, there's a uh, particle in there uh, that, that the Greek word manaum, manaum is used. 
And it can say no, but Uh, it can say yes, indeed, or it can say yes, but there's kind of a uh, it can be contradiction or it can be tied together. Uh, uh, It can be an affirmation. It can be a modification. But one who hears the word of God, obey it and obeys it is better off. Obey it. You're going to be better off by doing that. Uh, That's one of the counterpoints of this. Remember back uh, a number of verses in 21 where he's talking about the strong man. Right. Remember that. What's that? It's going to keep you safe, right? Right? So guards the castle, guards his possession. The strong man who guards his possessions may be defeated and plundered, but faithful disciples guard God's word and they'll be blessed. That verse 21 and 28 about the strong, strong. Oh, okay. Okay. Verses 21 and 28. Think about those different, different connections there. Just, in, uh, these, just these two verses kind of do a little quick uh, uh, break between the narrative before and what's going to continue on now. Okay, any questions about these, these two verses? Pretty, pretty straightforward. But if you look at it, it's a great transition with lots of ties, lots of threads going through it uh, in the rest of the text that he's written. Luke is a masterful, masterful writer uh, when it comes to this. Any questions on 28, uh, uh, 27 and 28? Any questions? Pretty easy, right? Not so easy to obey. Great words, easy words, but boy, you, know, you look at those simple words, yet the task is pretty hard, right? The task is pretty hard. But what's, what's Jesus talking about? What's, what's Luke showing here in this text? As he gets us set up, what do you think he's showing us? God is the one. God is the one. Yes, God is the one. God is driving the ship. You listen to God and obey it. Everything's going to be okay. If you don't, it's going the other way. And if all those things that are happening that are are good, does evil give good? No, no. So, uh, so he's setting that up. He's just talked about being taught talked about evil uh, and good, and he and Jesus is essentially. You know, are you are you doing this because you're bad? Hmm. So he. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now he set. Now he sets us up. Uh, he can use. He, you can use the bad things, for good to come out of it. Good will triumph over evil. Yes. Yep. Yep. Now we're going to move, we move into a transition uh, and Jesus is going to start to use a little bit of the Old Testament and signs of the Old Testament to talk about where he is. This is where I think he's now with John. He's now 
shifted gears a little bit. There's a little different language that's being used. Why is he shifting to the Old Testament all of a sudden? They're talking about signs. They're asking for signs. So in verse 29, when the crowds were increasing, so, so did, they, did, did they remain stagnant? Did he lose anybody? No, even with all this nonsense that's going on, the crowds are increasing. The crowds are getting bigger. He began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Ooh, everybody knows the everybody knows the story of Jonah, right? Yeah, yeah, and Nineveh, right? Okay. For there you go. So it should be fresh in your minds. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. Oh, bad news bears, right? Oh, yeah. I, hey, hey, if I was Jonah, I wouldn't have wanted to go into the city. I wouldn't have gone back. I didn't want to go. I wouldn't have wanted to go back. No, no, please. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, but God has a way of changing our minds, right? So uh, Jesus is debating really with the crowd uh, and that's why there's a shift of who's telling the story now with, with Luke. Uh, there's a, he now takes up a kind of a second charge against the folks. Uh, some said he had the power of the devil or evil, uh, but now he takes up the second charge, a charge that Jesus has, has rebuffed. Uh, other calls for a sign. They call for a sign. What more, what signs are they looking for? Well, he picks Jonah. Why is Jonah picked? Yep. What, and what does the story, how many days has Jonah lost? <laughs> Other, and the lights are going off, but this is already taken, the, the resurrection has already taken place. So are you going to put that in your story? Of course you are. There's a thread that goes in there. And is Jesus saying this? Well, all these words came back to the disciples and they, they remembered. Did they know it right off the bat? No, they didn't know that. They didn't know what this story was going to be about. And finally, uh, you know, Mark, Luke is probably going, whoa, wow, oh, let me write about this. Right? John has probably told him a little bit about, hey, you remember, you remember the Jonah story, right? How long, how long, just, he probably asked the same question of Luke, what I just asked you. How many days was Jonah in the whale? Three days. <gasps> wow, wow, cool. Let me write about that. Uh, and let me, let, me, let me do some threads. So he's going to be, he's going to take what he knows uh, and, and he's got the cue material in front of him. So, um, what does Mark say about this story? Do you remember what Mark says? Well, it's easy because I've got it in front of me. In Mark 8, 11 to 12. Mark 8, 11 to 12. 
the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, asking for a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. So Mark says, I'm not going to give you any sign. Not even going to talk about it. What does Matthew say? Ah, Matthew 16, 4. An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. And then in Luke, no sign is going to be given uh, except for the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah, so he, who's, who is Luke writing his gospel to? Gentiles. Do the Gentiles know this story? Nope. That's all right. Just tell me it's 20 after 10. No sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. And, and, and for just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. So what, you sure it's your phone? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right, I shouldn't laugh because I haven't turned my phone off. But I do have it on Do Not Disturb. All right. Well, that's all right. All right. It, uh, so in Matthew, Matthew had stated earlier on in verse in Matthew 12, Matthew thinks this sign is really big. So it's in the Q source uh, a number of times. So Luke picks it up in, in all, all the places. Matthew and Mark, Matthew has it in two places. Matthew 12, 39 to 40. An evil, adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. You think... Jesus said that? Or is it inserted? It's red. Oh, oh, if it's red, it must be, it must be true. Uh, <laughs> it's probably one of those texts that they went back afterwards and said, oh, that's what he meant. So they clarified it. All right. Could he have said it? Absolutely. To the Jews, so they would have known about it. Uh, that that is true. They would have known about it. But but he want he wants to he wants to put the thread in there. He wants to make sure that they equate the three days of Jonah with the three days of Jesus. He wants to make sure that they know that their Messiah did what Jonah did. Jesus was the Messiah. For Matthew, man, it's really important for him to make those critical uh, uh, revelations, if you would, uh, that this is the sign in the, New in, the in, in 
in the old, in the way the prophets wrote. But here is what took place with Jesus. You remember this, right? Yeah. Well, Jesus did this. Oh. So it's easy for the Jews to go back and forth. But Matthew, Matthew points those threads and makes sure that they know it. Luke is writing in those threads because he's using Q source. And the Gentiles don't know anything about it. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but it's reiterated. I, that's why I think he's talking with someone else along with the Q source and saying, yeah, he said that, but. So, uh, uh, and we know, we know what he's doing there because of what happens in the next set of verses. All right. He talks about Nineveh. He talks about Jonah. And that's the key, key thing is the three nights, the three nights. Matthew uh, talks about the men of Nineveh. Luke talks about the men of Nineveh. Uh, And then uh, Luke is going to start to talk about the queen of the south, right? Sheba, queen of Sheba. Queen of Sheba. Cleopatra. Nope. Nope. for, for just as Jonah became a sign, so will the Son of Man to this generation. Verse 31. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and see something greater than Solomon is here. Who's greater than Solomon? Jesus. Jesus is. Who's, who is greater than Solomon up to this point? Nobody. Nobody's wisdom is greater than Solomon. The people of Nineveh will rise up in, in verse 32. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah. Who are the people of Nineveh in this generation? Gentiles, the Gentiles, right? The Gentiles, they will repent and proclaim the good news, right? Uh, We know he's talking to John now because he's painting the Jewish leadership in a very bad light, all right? These next set of verses all the way up through to chapter 12, and maybe even some of the verses in chapter 12. Paint the, paint the leadership in a very, very, very bad light. One of the knocks against John is that he paints the Jews in a very bad light. Did the Jews crucify Jesus? Romans did. Romans had to make a choice. Take on the call. Or not. Take, take the view of what the, uh, what the Jewish people were saying, crucify him. Did they have to crucify him? No. no. What? Yes. Oh, certainly the Jews were saying, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. But, event, but who did it? The Romans did it. We did it. The world crucified Jesus. So, and did Jesus have to die? 
yeah, we, we'll actually get into that probably in uh, November. <laughs> we'll get, yeah, I th- I, I'm thinking November, maybe May next year. Uh, Luke, Luke, we're only halfway through Luke. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, yeah, we're only halfway through Luke. So I'm saying, yeah, it might be another year before we get to the end. But uh, uh, after we're done, we'll know Luke like the back of our hands, right? You'll be able to preach it in three years. So when I go on vacation, one of you can, can go up and preach about the text. Yeah, everybody looks down at their Bible at this point. Okay, I've asked you to pray. Oh boy, this is hiding under the table. To, uh, yeah, okay. All right. Uh, you're all clamoring now. Uh, uh, Luke is now u- using Q, uh, uh, using uh, uh, a lot of this. Uh, Matthew 12, 41, Matthew 12, 42. Uh, he has is, he is kind of flip-flopped Matthew a little bit. Uh, the... Uh, but the result is still, still the same, right? Right. Still talking about Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba, and about his association. Who's greater wisdom than what Solomon? Jesus is. What did the what What are they looking for? They're looking for a sign. They're looking for the sign, and the sign is right in front of them. Right in front of them. Uh, the question's answered. But they don't see it. Uh, Jonah, uh, you know, so Matthew interprets Jonah's three days and three nights uh, in the equivalent of Jesus' three days in the tomb. Luke says nothing about the early uh, interpretation. Uh, he doesn't... He, he just kind of puts it out there. He doesn't, he doesn't spell it out for everybody. Uh, the sign for Luke is a sign of repentance. He wants the people to repent, not just see. He needs them to repent. Why is repentance so important for Luke? Jesus calls, God calls, and who must respond? We respond. God calls, we respond. And how do we respond? We repent, and we repent in faith. God gives us faith, and we then repent. After we repent, what do we do? (laughs) Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, so we repeat, yes. Uh, but uh, no, there's always a call and always a response. Okay, always two sides to every action. An action and response. You know, if the scientists really would have been smart, uh, they'd have listened to Jesus right off. For every, for every action, there's an opposite reaction. They'd have, they, you know, they wouldn't have had to wait for Newton. They, they'd have had it right there. Right there. So instead of waiting a couple thousand, you know, a thousand years, they had it right in front of them if they had just listened. Uh, the Queen of Sheba uh, is the Queen of the South, and what what did she do? What do you remember? What Queen of Sheba did? 
First Kings 10. What did she do when she heard of the fame of Solomon? She came to him. She traveled. She, she, he had so much wisdom. She just had to go see it. Right? So First uh, Kings 10, 1 through 13. And Second Chronicles 9, 1 through 12. And well, how did she come to Jerusalem to see Solomon? She came with gifts, spices and gold and precious stones, right? She came with all kinds of riches. What was Solomon doing? Building the temple, right? And what does the what's the temple? Man, it's got all it's the temple, Solomon's temple. It's one of the seven ancient seven wonders of the world, right? Uh, all, all of the all of the jewels all of what he's crafted, and she brings those to him. So uh, when she, and she tests Solomon, right? How, how does she, she came to test him with hard questions. And then she was convinced by his answers that God was, God's wisdom was given to him. Uh, and she, she, and blessed the Lord who had sent Solomon. Uh, what should the people be doing now? For Jesus. They're being tempted. They're, they're being tested. They're being taught. Wisdom is something greater than is uh, than Solomon is standing right in front of them. And what should they be doing? Listening and. Believing, oh, yes, and what, what did Queen of Sheba do? G gave gifts and kind of worshipped him, all right? Uh, not kind of, yeah, yeah, she worshipped him. What should the people be doing? Worshipping him. There should be a worship piece going on. They should be repenting. Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba, there's, there's, no, there's a reason why this story is being said. The Messiah has come to you. Messiah is right in front of you. The Messiah died. You killed, they were, he was killed on a cross. He raised in three days and came back to life. Guys, folks, you already know the story. Get on your knees and worship this guy. Yeah, we know what's happened at the end of the story. We're, we're blessed because we know the end of the story. All right. Do they know the end of the story? Mm, they may have heard about it, but now it's in writing. Now it's in writing. Someone is greater than Solomon is standing right. And what don't they do? They don't hear him. Right. Ginny. All these people are not, these are people are not repenting. He's telling the story, this is what should be happening, but you're not doing it. What but the Gentiles will repent. In their repentance, they'll become baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they'll go out and preach the good news of the gospel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was no baptism of the Spirit. They repented, yes. 
but did they go back to their old ways? Mm. Yeah. Uh, but, but the Gentiles here, in the, in the metaphor that Jesus is using, that Luke is using, that John and Matthew and Mark are using, <coughs> the people in Nineveh are representative of the Gentiles. Uh, and so were the people in Nineveh really good people? No. Did the Jews think highly of them? No. But what did they do? The Gentiles repent. And now what's happened to the Gentiles? In the metaphor that, that Luke is using, what's happening with the Gentiles? They're repenting and going to preach the good news of the gospel. Are they bad people still? No, they've repented. They've heard Jesus. They believe. And now they're changed people. They go on. So you Jewish people, you have a choice to make. That's what Martin Luther used. You have a choice to make. And if you don't make the choice, you are an evil generation. And there's no room for you. Luther will use that in his anti-Semitism. Luther, early on, his, he thought his job was to convert the Jews. And if they didn't convert after hearing the word, they were, they were dirt. They were garbage. They, anything happened to them, they deserved it, and we should put them to death. Who used that? Hitler did. Actually, it was Goebbels, but Hitler brought into it. So, so Luther looked at these texts, this text and John, the John text, and said, the, the, if, they, the, if given the chance and you don't convert, away with you. Hey, the 1800 evangelists were the same way with, with anyone. Well, especially with the Indians, the Native, Native Americans, what did they do? If you didn't believe, what happened? You were killed? Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're not all that, our hands are not all that clean. Uh, but, but these texts get used as, as weapons. That is not Jesus' intent. If you listen to these words, is it the intent of Jesus? No. Jesus' intent was never to do that. What's Jesus' intent? What's the foundation? Love. Even Mary knows that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so Luke has shown that Jesus, all the way through now, uh, 10 chapters, getting ready to go through 11 chapters, what has Luke shown that Jesus is? That he's greater than Solomon and all the other prophets. Jesus is greater than all of them. So why should you be listening to him? Because he's greater than all of them. Even, if, even up to this point, if you don't accept him as the son of God, he's, he's going to show you why you believe how you believe. And if you don't believe after that, well, you might be a lost cause. Maybe it's because God doesn't want you to. Who knows? Uh, but, but, but Luke 
is showing that Jesus is greater than all of those put together. So up to this point, that's where we are. We're hitting the pinnacle in Luke of who is writing it. They're going to write it to the end of the story. Uh, any, any questions about, about this section? Up to verse 32. No questions? Okay. Verse 33. Well, we're really rocking and rolling today. All right, now we know that Luke is talking to John. Okay? We, we know that he's talking to John. No one, uh, after lighting a lamp, puts it on a cellar, uh, put it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. Okay? Seems pretty obvious. Seems pretty obvious, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, now to all us 20th century, 21st century folks, the next step, the next section can be a little, what is he talking about? Your eye is the lamp of your body. How can your eye be a lamp? What do you think? When you look into someone's eyes, do, do their eyes sparkle? Sometimes. And when they sparkle, what's happening? They reflect the light. And what happens? The light comes, shines out of them. In ancient culture, they thought that light actually came out of your eyes. And the more light you had, the more it came out. So if you saw, in my case, you see a young lady whose eyes just sparkle. She has light in her. Now, if you look at a young lady and her light doesn't, the light doesn't come out of her eyes, run away. That's what it was in ancient culture. All right. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. How do you know that? Because the light is coming out of your eyes. Why is that important? From a practical standpoint, if your body's healthy, you look into the girl's eyes. Well, you don't look into it. You look into the man's eyes. You look into the man's eyes and the, and the man's eyes sparkle. What does that do for you? What's that? It lights you up. And what do you want to do? Get together. And why do you want to get together? What's that? Yeah, okay. And, and, and the end result is you have kids. Okay, well, we'll skip all that. We'll go to the end of the story. You have kids. They grow up. Oh, and they're a pain in your neck. But anyway, uh, but uh, uh, no. What's that? Sparklers, yes. Yes, there are sparklers that go off. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Uh, so in ancient times, they thought the light came out of your eyes. Literally came out of your eyes. And where did that light stay? Within. Purely John, this is John's 
This is John's foundation. This is John's words. They are, this is John speak here. Light in your body. I'm the light of the world. The light is coming through me. That's why John doesn't almost make it into the Gospels because of this light stuff. Uh, Your eye is the lamp of your body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if it's not healthy, your body is full of darkness. Ooh, so you look in everybody's eyes and what do you see? Light. Hopefully you see light. In this room, what you would see? Light. If I turned off the lights, what do you see? Yeah. Yeah. So what does that, what are your eyes doing? They're reflecting the light. We know that now. Did they know that then? No. They didn't know about refraction and reflection and all that kind of stuff. So, so he takes that metaphor and, and kind of explodes it. Uh, he, he's looking into the eye and everybody knows about the light. So did you learn something today? All right, cool. Verse 34, uh, about ancient culture. There you go. Verse 35, therefore consider whether the light is in you. Light in you is not darkness. Ooh. So you can have something other than light coming out? Sure, you have the evil spirit in you, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, If then your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be as full of light as a lamp that gives you light with its rays. Wow. How does evil respond to the light? It hides. Can the darkness come back? Yeah. What did he just say about 12 verses earlier? And if evil leaves, what are they going to try to do? Come back how many fold? Tenfold, right? They're going to come back even stronger. So what happens if the light goes out? It's going to come back even stronger. The darkness is even going to embed itself even more. Uh, so, uh, so what is what what is Jesus doing? What is he saying? Meet the light. Meet the darkness in your body, in your actions, in your belief before it even gets out. Get it in here. Get it in here. Get it in your body. Does he talk about being in your heart? Not yet. No. It's in your. It's in your body. I. Uh, 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 how many of you have read the Testament of Job? The Testament, not, not Job, but the Testament of Job. Okay? I wouldn't suspect that anyone would. It's not one of those books that we generally read. It's not even in the Apocrypha. But uh, uh, the Testament of Job contains this statement. My eyes, acting as lamps, looked about and saw God. He was filled completely with the Holy Spirit. Not in, not in, the, not in the book of Job. This is, uh, uh, this is Job 2. This is Job 2. Okay? Uh, Therefore the eye that sparkles and flashes is the lamp of the body. Uh, uh, the, the eye of the disciple, the life of a disciple, 
all of their actions, what are they going to be? If you're a disciple of Jesus, what? You're light of the world. And what does that mean if you're a disciple? We studied it this Sunday. Mary gave me a love, love. Love is the thing the disciples do. What does Jesus do? Jesus is, Jesus is love. Jesus, all, all, all of that, and I'll go to the Gospel of John now. If you're filled with the light of Jesus and the light of the Spirit, there is no room for darkness. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and you repent of all your sins, Jesus has forgiven them all and you're filled with the light. If you don't let the darkness in and you're filled with the light, everything, you're, you're, a, you're a pure, healthy, uh, uh, good disciple. If you do something other than love, what happens? The darkness comes in. How, how does it come in? Not onefold, but tenfold. How are you going to combat that? You can't. What has to happen? Now, John Calvin would say this is heresy. So would Luther. So would most of the Roman Catholicism. But how about the Baptists? What would you have to do? Be baptized again and born again, right? You're baptized again, right? Uh, so again, you're filled back up with the Holy Spirit and given the opportunity again not to sin anymore, okay? Well, uh, if you're reform of the Reformed tradition, uh, do you have to be baptized again? Once and done, right? That's plenty. That's enough. If, we, if, if, if it's something less than that, who's in charge? Yeah, humankind. That puts humankind above the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's a big theological thing that we could talk about much, 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 much later. But, uh, but uh, once you're baptized, always baptized. Once is sufficient. Uh, and, and you are filled with the Spirit. And in that filling, nothing can take, take its place. Okay? Um, your whole body is filled with light. Uh, but they'll look, they'll look at you in the eye and be able to tell. So if they look at you in the darkness of a cell, for instance, what happens? They don't see a reflection of the light. So when a priest goes to the cell in the 800s and 900s and thousands, and they go to cell and they go to the prisoner, have you repented from your sins? Yes. Have you truly repented? And they see, they look into your eyes, are they going to see light? No. So, uh, but if they bring you out, what are they going to see? Light. 
app. So, uh, so there's there's a uh, ethical condition that that's now now we look at it. Jesus is looking at it as an ethical people. He's putting it into people's um, uh, uh, the language that the people know. Okay, uh, we two thousand years later can still use that same metaphor. And how do we look at that? How do we look at the light of the light and full in part as not part of the darkness? That your eye. How do you how do you, how would you do that? Your eye sparkling and all that. We are the light of the world. Sure. 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 Together we light up the whole world, right? Yeah. Uh, but but in in that metaphor, what do we do? What's the light? Right. The love of Jesus is light of the world. Yes. So uh, the light of the Spirit is in us, and we shine that light by loving, by loving, by loving. Uh, that, that again. That's why you can't use this this book called the Bible and the words of Jesus or the words of God as a weapon. You cannot. It, it's not a weapon. Love is never a weapon. Unless you can give me an instance where love is a weapon. I didn't think so. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, it does you know, you talk about killing people with kindness. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yes. Oh, we've got a great, that's a great metaphor, killing people with kindness. How do you do that? Do you kill them? No, it changes them, right? Yes, it changes them. But do you use it as a weapon? Absolutely not. No, uh, but you do kill them with kindness. Uh, you're, you're, how do you easily disarm somebody? Be kind to them. Yes. Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, you, you smile at them, right? Oh, I hate it when that happens. Yeah, you're really angry. I mean, you're really angry, and they and they throw a little. They, yeah. How does that make you you're angry as can be? I love you. Oh, come on now, you can't love me. Oh, but I do. I love you. That just that melts you away, or it should. Or maybe it's darkness has come ten times into you. I don't know. But uh, uh, but to respond where you can kill them with kindness, kill them in love. Oh, man. Absolutely. That, yes, that's a great, uh, great uh, uh, saying. I saw that the other day as well. Yes. If your religion causes you to hate, then it's not a religion. Yes. Yep. And that would be the, and that's the same for Islam. It's the same for Judaism. It's the same for Christianity, Hinduism, I mean, Confucianism, I mean, whatever you, whatever. No religion teaches hate. Yes, 
What does that do to them? Yes. When you frown, what happens? What happens to your eyes, really? When you get, you squint. When you smile, you, right? Well, I, yes, my eyes are open, yes. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, it disarms people, right? Right? How can you be angry with somebody that's smiling at you? All right? Uh, Joan will say, Really? Really? Uh, no. Uh, uh, when a baby laughs, what happens? You laugh. Can you not? La- you can't. La- cannot laugh. I mean, that baby starts laughing. I dare you not to laugh. You just can't do it. It's infectious. It's killing us with kindness. It infects us with with that that love, that spark, that joy. And the same thing happens. When we do it, not to the extent of a baby, because that laugh is so pure, but when you smile at someone, when you laugh at someone, when... What? Sure you can. I do all the time. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, if somebody's angry at me, I'm not laughing with them, but I'll, I'll, I'll smile at them. All right? Uh, I, I, and I will laugh at them. Because their actions are hateful. Can you disarm them with that laughter? Yes. And Joan is going to back there going, oh my gosh. Do you hear yourself? Hold that mirror up. Do you see it? I see it. It's not me in that mirror. It's easy to say. Hard to do. Oh, absolutely. Sure, sure. Uh, I laugh at myself all the time. I'm such a fool sometimes. Uh, But I get in the car. (sighs) Something about that bubble of the car. Something about it. I mean, uh, tell me, you all don't feel this. In the car, you feel protected to be able to, to snarl at somebody. You took my parking spot. Why did you, why did you do that? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, uh, I think the devil gave us the car. Or air conditioning and closed the windows. Uh, but uh, uh, that's a story for another day. Uh, your whole body is full of light. With no part of it in darkness, it will be full of light as when a lamp gives you light with its rays. And what does the lamp do? It, it gives you the light. It gives you the light. Okay, and, th- and that is where we're going to stop. Okay, are there any, any questions about that? The, the, uh, think about Jesus spoke today in metaphors that are ever abundant, over abundant. I mean, can you think, and I'd like you, to, like you to think about this, what metaphors would you use for Jesus? Well, we've heard some of them. Jesus is the light of the world, the way, the truth, the life. I mean, you, know, I, you know, John does all those I am statement things. Uh, but, but what would you describe it as? You know, what a friend we have. Uh, my, one of my favorites. What a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, 
Shepherd like a, yep, lead us. Yep, sure, shepherd. Uh, yeah, the good shepherd. Sure, certainly uh, the good shepherd. Um, friend, probably more. We relate more to friend than we do to shepherd because I don't know of many people that are shepherds. But we do need leading, yes. Uh, that's, why, that's why I have always said of myself when, when someone says, uh, uh, do, when you lead your flock, I don't lead my flock. I, I'm merely the sheepdog. I, I kind of try to herd folks and point them to the shepherd and let the shepherd, what's that? Yeah, yeah, I don't know about corralling, but I try to point them to the shepherd so that the shepherd can do that. And there's only one shepherd, right? There's no under shepherd. There's no uh, over shepherd. There's no great. There's only one shepherd, and that's Jesus the Christ. Uh, and and I, I look at it as my job to get you all pointed to Jesus. Not pointed to me, pointed to Jesus. And I may bark a little bit. I may squawk a little bit. I might even nip a little bit. But uh, I'm, I, I'm trying to get you to point to, point to Jesus. So that, those, so that you can hear his words uh, and go his way, which is not necessarily my way all the time, as Joan would attest. So uh, she rides with me in the car, so she knows. <laughs> and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, say some prayers for Joan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Any questions about what we talked about? But I'd like you to think about those metaphors because uh, those, those are things that, that when you start to think about them and utilize those things in your life, that's where you find Jesus. That's where you feel Jesus. Uh, uh, what a friend is probably, I, I think, one of the closer things that we have uh, is that friendship, that what do we see in friendship? Uh, what do we see in those relationships uh, that we have together uh, and with God? But it's also with each other. And that's really what, uh, that I, I, I believe that's what church is. It gives us those relationships because we're stronger together than we are one. Right? Uh, if I'm having a bad day, I know that people will rally behind me and around me. Uh, uh, and even in front of me, uh, and, and try to lift me up. Uh, and, and you folks in this congregation uh, do, the, do a wonderful job at lifting each other up, building each other up, protecting each other, uh, g passing that light on to make sure that everybody's feeling well. You're concerned about each other. Uh, it, r r the, what a wonderful, wonderful congregation you, you folks are. Uh, you have heard the word, you've listened to the word, you've been taught by the word, and you live by that word. So uh, kudos to all those pastors that came before me, but uh, uh, you know, kudos to you folks for uh, letting your hearts and bodies fill with the light. Yes? Okay. Okay. Sure. You bet. You bet. 
maybe we'll play that game next week. Get ready. Oh, yes. How about Z? Zest. Yes. Yeah. Zealot? Zealot? Yeah. Zealot. All right. X. 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 Yes. The chai. Chai. Yep. So, uh, all right. Who would like to pray us out? Oh, come on. Easy peasy. Okay, Ginny. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. See you next week. Uh, one, one, one other question uh, for you. Uh, when do you want to start back up after next week? Uh, do you want to start up uh, September 3rd or September 10th? September 3rd is right after Labor Day. 10th. Okay. September 10th it is then. Okay. The 10th? Oh, the week of the 